I, I do request on two weekends, on Easter you give an Easter message, and on Christmas you read the Christmas story. And so, uh, actually it wasn't a suggestion. <laughs> so that's what we're doing today. And so we're going to read the Christmas story with some, some commentary in there. And so uh, let's go to Luke chapter 1, and let's look at verse 5, and let's read the Christmas story. Luke 1, 5 says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of, div of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. And the angel said, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and to the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And so we have a story of Zacharias and uh, he's serving in the temple and an angel shows up. I want to bring out the fact that most of the time in the Bible when God shows up to communicate something, whether uh, himself or an angel, usually it's to someone that's doing something, doing what they're called to do. Very rarely do we see someone being talked to in their prayer closet. And so we do find that with Cornelius, but it's very few people that we find. Old Testament and New, almost everybody is fine doing something. Moses was doing what? when the burning bush happened in God's book. He was, he was shepherding sheep. And Gideon, what was he doing? He was threshing wheat. He was, they were doing something. In the New Testament, we find the same thing. So Zacharias is serving, and an angel shows up and says something, your prayer has been heard. Your, uh, you and your wife will have a child. So what does that mean? He had prayed about having a child, but it had not happened. Matter of fact, have you ever prayed something and it didn't seem like it happened overnight or the next week or the same year or the same decade? And it's gone on and on. And at this point, they were well advanced in age. They had given up on that, forgotten their prayer, but he didn't get bitter. Notice that. He said they served the Lord. It wasn't humdrum. It said they served the Lord with fervency, that they were righteous and blameless in, in what they were doing to God. They served with all their heart. What's that mean? They didn't allow what they didn't know. What They don't know why, why did that not happen. They didn't let what they don't know affect what they do know. 
that God's a good God. He's worthy to be served. And, and so they didn't let them get bitter or offended at not understanding uh, the timing of God because God has a timing. Tell someone, keep God off your time clock and keep him off your payroll. What's that mean? That you're telling him how to do it and when to do it. And so they had almost given up on it, but God has not forgotten your prayers. God has not forgotten. You may have forgotten, but God has not forgotten. God didn't forget about their prayer. He says, today's the day that I'm going to bring this out. And I believe the Lord is speaking today. There are some that you, that you, that you have uh, you've let something go, a dream go in the past. You almost let go of it. And God says, no, I haven't forgotten it. Uh, it's still on. And I'm going to do something mighty in your life. Just trust me. And so, again, he was serving the Lord. And so God is doing a preparing work in all of us to give birth to his will. Uh, all of us, God's called to give birth to something. Um, and, and some in this room are pregnant. No. Uh, no. Some are physically pregnant. But, but I think there are some that are pregnant with a spiritual ministry, a spiritual calling, a spiritual purpose. And, and you know it. Raise your hand if you know it. Okay, all right, a bunch of pregnant people. So, so you're pregnant with something. There are, there are a few in here, you're pregnant with something from the Lord, and it hasn't yet been detected yet. He's going to reveal that to you. It, it's not even there. You can't detect that yet. But there are a few in here that have something significant this next year that's going to come forth. And so God is doing a preparing work. And so, so Zacharias was busy about the kingdom, busy about the things of God, but not too busy. Say not too busy, not too busy. to hear from the Lord. And so, yes, we are to do what he's called us to do, guys. And if he hasn't given you something new to do, what was the last thing he told you to do? Are you busy about that? Are you doing the last thing he told you to do? That sets you up for the next thing. Because... Because remember, he, he talks to people that are doing something. Tell someone you can't direct a parked car. So, so it, it, it might seem like it's been a while and nothing's happening and nothing ever will. But God's saying, no, no, no. I'm faithful. I don't forget my promise. I will keep my word. Let's move on to Luke chapter 1. Look at verse 26 through verse 38. This is Mary. Luke 126 says, And now in the sixth month, an angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph to the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. 
Therefore also that Holy One which is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, also has conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. For, the, for with God, nothing will be impossible. I want you to say that. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Well, Pastor, my, my situation is impossible. That thing that God's promised is impossible. With God, all things are. With you, yeah, impossible. But with God, nothing shall be impossible. Actually, the Greek says, no word from God is without power of its fulfillment. That's the Greek language. No spoken word from God given to you is, is lacking the power to be fulfilled. So Mary wasn't a priest carrying out important functions in the temple. She was just a teenager. She was 13 to 15 years old, excitedly preparing for her wedding. Now, uh, the ladies in this room that are married, do you remember when you were young and preparing for your marriage and, and excited about that? And even from a young age, the ladies are always thinking about their wedding day. They collect a magazine, the, you know, wedding journal, uh, the latest magazines and cutting things out. And so, so, so that's Mary. Mary has all the latest magazine, wedding magazines around her. And she's so excited about her her marriage, and she's preparing to get married, and the Lord shows up and says, I have something else for you before that. You think you're going a certain way, but I have another way that I'm going to take you. And I'm speaking to someone in this room, you've been preparing and, and looking to go in a certain way, and the Lord's saying, if you're open to me, I'm going to intersect you and move you in a whole other direction and that new direction's better than what the direction you're picking. The thing I have for you is greater than what you have planned. The thing I have for you is more significant than what you have planned. And it will satisfy you more than what you think will satisfy you. And so the Lord's wanting to know, are you willing to let him interrupt your plans? Interrupt what you have and say yes to the Lord with what he wants. Is there anybody willing to do that? To let the Lord interrupt what you've been planning to give you his plan. Okay, most of you, that's great. Praise the Lord. And so she was busy preparing, but not too busy to hear from the Lord. And so again, are we willing to have our plans interrupted by God's plans? And so God wanted to do a new thing in Mary, but, she was, but was she willing to have that take place? And what did she say? Let it be according to your word let it be according to your word and, and so she was in a betrothal period this was an engagement period do you know how long a betrothal period in the biblical times was one year an engagement for one year me and joanne we ministered to young adults and have for many years and we always encourage them to to before you get married you need to be in a relationship with them for at least a year so you need to know them in all four seasons of life because the person chained in the basement can hide for a while <laughs> until you meet them. And so, so there, this was a month, a, a year-long betrothal. She was getting ready, and, and the Lord says, I have something new for you. And so, so uh, what about Joseph? Joseph actually was in the royal line of secession 
if they had kings then. They didn't have kings back when Joseph and Mary lived. They'd stopped that royal line. But he was in the line to be the king of Israel. Now, whether he knew that or not, he was just a carpenter. He was just a blue-collar worker. He was just a regular guy. And, and, and so there was royalty hidden in the obscure. And so today, do you know that you may be called and look at, you know, I'm just a secretary. I'm a business person. I'm just doing a humdrum kind of thing. I'm a housewife. But no, you're royalty. You're royalty hidden for a purpose. And that royalty, God wants to bring it forth. And, and he wants to do something in your life. But you need to understand who you are. You can't do great things with God and, and, and in God if you don't understand your identity. And so, so, so God loves to take virtual nobodies in the natural and use them in a great way. But you understand who you are in the spirit before God can do that. And I'm speaking to someone today. You don't know, have a revelation of your identity and you see yourself in the natural and you're disqualifying yourself. And God wants to use you in a mighty way, but until you change how you see yourself, tell someone you're a king and a priest. You're royalty. Hidden in your obscurity. But God wants you to give birth to something. God, God has to birth this new thing in and through you. So he wants to use you to birth something. Yeah, you. I just, I'm a regular, you know, five foot six, just normal person, size, you know, nine foot. You know, I just, but you have a unique fingerprint no one's ever had, even your toe print. You are unique, and God, you're significant. Tell someone you're very significant. And God wants to give birth to something through you. But giving birth means that you have to be willing to, for your life to change. Ladies that have had children, did having a child change the status quo? The normal way of life? And more so as it got closer to giving birth. Uh, you, you, were, you had new uh, pains in places you didn't have pains before and, and, and had to walk a different way and, and, and move in a certain way. It was uncomfortable in your life. And, and so giving birth is a life-changing, uncomfortable, and sometimes painful an event. And, and, and so you, there, there's someone I'm talking to out here that you've been very uncomfortable in your life right now. Even a painful time in your life. And the Lord's saying you're about to give birth to something significant. And, and the pain will be worth getting through it. And the uncomfortable is not going to be permanent. But I, I'm doing something. I'm giving birth to something in your life. And, and so thank you for, for letting me work in your life. And so let's look at Luke 2. Look at verse 1. This is the shepherd's. Luke 2, 1 says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And the census first took place while Curianus, why couldn't you be named Bob? <laughs> Where Bob was governing Syria. But no, Curianus. 
I was curious. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. But whatever you do, act like you know what you're doing. So I'll say that with boldness. Kyrinus was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, wife who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Have you noticed in all stories, that's the message. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Tell someone, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. Say sign. A sign to you, shepherds. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, a multitude of a heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. They went and told somebody. And all of those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that had been heard and seen as it was told them. The first group of people that we find in the Word of God that he told about Jesus were shepherds. You would think it would be politicians. It would be the, the, the ones that were ruling Jerusalem, but... No, God went to shepherds, went to those that are out in the field, the blue-collar workers that were, that were serving, doing something. They were shepherding, and, and their job was to raise up lambs. But I want you to see these shepherds were unique shepherds. These were the shepherds of Bethlehem. What was unique about the sheep of Bethlehem and the shepherds of Bethlehem is at Bethlehem was the place where the temple sheep were raised for sacrifice. And so it was well known in the day that the, the fields of Bethlehem was where they were raised. They were, they were watched very closely. They were breeded very closely. And these were the sheep that had to be without blemish that could be offered at the temple sacrifice. And, and so these were the shepherds that God told. He says, and I'm going to give you a sign. Say sign. This is a sign to you shepherds. It's significant to you shepherds. You're going to find a babe... Uh, wrapped in swaddling clothes. Now you would think, well, what, why would that be significant to shepherds? Because most babies are wrapped in swaddling clothes. We do that today. We wrap babies tightly and they find comfort that way. And so that wasn't anything new, but why would it be a sign 
to the shepherds, men, right-brained men, that this was the significant, this was the Son of God, this was the one God sent. What was so significant? Because they were the temple shepherds. And these shepherds, whenever a new lamb was born, to make sure it was without blemish, without it being leg broken, it would be automatically uh, um, disqualified if it had broken anything, it was blemished. And so what they would do when a new lamb was born is they would wrap the lamb in swaddling clothes to keep it pristine, to be offered. And so he says, basically, I want to show you the Lamb of God wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger. And this is the sign unto you. And so, so they, were, they were busy at work, but they weren't too busy. Say, they weren't too busy to stop and hear from the Lord. And so, so God revealed to the shepherds, but what were the shepherds? The shepherds were in their field. Who does God speak to? Who's God minister to? It's those that are in the field that God's called you to. If you'll be in the field God told you to do, doing the last thing he told you to do, doing it with all of your heart, you're ready for the next revelation. You're ready for the next thing. And so God reveals to those that are abiding in the field that God's assigned them. And then, guess what? This revelation came at night, in a darkness of night, and I'm speaking to someone in this room. You're going through a dark time in your life. And it seems very dark. But the Lord's saying that I'm going to bring a revelation to you in your darkness that's going to bring light to you. And you're coming out of that darkness. And matter of fact, you're going to bring other people with you. <clears throat> Raise your hand if you're open for a new revelation of the Lord. Well, I know everything about the Lord. Oh, Really? Tell someone, he has, he has more for you. Greater light, greater revelation. God wants to give you a fresh revelation of Christ. He was born in the hotel in Bethlehem. The Broadmoor in Bethlehem. Where was he born? In a manger. Well, where else would a lamb be born? Uh, this, this manger was a feeding trough. You just you fed animals from this. Bethlehem means house of bread. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Where else would the bread of life be born to feed the world? And he was born in a manger as the lamb of God, wrapped in swaddling clothes as the, the Son of God, blemish without blemish, to sacrifice for our sins. Let's go to Matthew chapter 2. Let's talk about the wise men. Ask someone, are you a wise guy? Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 12. And now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men came from the east, Come to, they came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was excited. He was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. 
And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And so the scribes came, and they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it's written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will be sh- who shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring him back word to me, that I may come and worship him also. Wink, wink. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, say house, not manger. When they came to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and found down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And verse 12 says, And being divinely warned in a dream that they should return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. And so who were these wise men? These wise men were astronomers. They were called the Magi. They were astronomers, not astrologers. They're not reading your sign. They were astronomers. They were scientists of the day. Where did they come from? Well, uh, tradition has it that they actually were started under Daniel in the Old Testament. Daniel was in Babylon, and all the wise men were put under Daniel, and Daniel imparted to them the knowledge of the Holy Scriptures. How did they know there would be a king born and that, that he would be the king? Of the, they knew they had Daniel's writings that taught them this. And so they were astronomers, and so they had learned the word of God, and they saw a star. They were just busy doing what they're called to do, gazing at the stars, but they weren't too busy for God to catch their attention and to speak to their hearts. And so there was probably more than three. How do we know that? Well, it says when they entered into Jerusalem, there was a great stir that took place. Now, if there were three old men in bathrobes... With little boxes coming through town, that would not cause a great stir in Jerusalem. But it says it caused a great stir. in. The, so tradition tells us that they traveled in caravans. They had many camels and many, many treasures that they were bringing in. And so we think there are three because of three gifts. But no, and, and I, I believe there was a, a lot that was given to Jesus. And, and I'm going to blow your Christmas card uh, to smithereens that you have sitting on your counter is that the the wise men were not at the manger. Matter of fact, Herod asked when, how long ago did the star appear? And he realized it had to have been about two years. That's why he said, kill all the kids two years and younger. It took a long while to prepare for a trip that way, that, that significant, to gather everything together, to make the long journey. And so they came to the house, and so where, what house, where was this house? Well, we know exactly where they were, where they went to. Because after uh, this event where Jesus was born, what happened to every Jewish male on the eighth day? They were presented at the temple in Jerusalem, 
to be circumcised and be dedicated to the Lord. And we know that Jesus was. And we found out exactly where they went afterwards. It says that Jesus was circumcised and they returned to Nazareth. And so the, the wise men came and talked to Herod. And Herod says, well, he should have been born in Bethlehem. Go to Bethlehem. So they take off towards Bethlehem, but the star starts shining in a different place. And they follow this. They didn't say the star took him to Bethlehem. The star took him to Nazareth. And they went there, and it says that they met him in the house. It says the young child. That's the Greek word means a toddler, only a toddler, no younger than a toddler. So he was a young boy. And so Herod thought it was around two years old. And so notice when they returned, they went a different way. Raise your hand if you... The Lord's led you here on a journey to, to, to learn about him, and you're coming to Karis, and, and, you, and you're, you've, God led you here. Well, you come here, you may even return to where you come, but you're going to return a different way. You're going to be different, and you're going to return a different way, a different person. And so they, they returned a whole different way. But they gave gifts to Jesus. What did they give? Frankincense. That means, that, that speaks of worship. That was incense. Myrrh speaks of sorrow and pain. It was, it was an agent that alleviated, uh, alleviated pain. Uh, Jesus on the cross was given wine mixed with myrrh to alleviate pain. And so it represented pain and sorrow that he would, the Messiah would go through. And, and gold, which speaks of the most valued substance on the planet at the time, was gold. And so they gave their treasures to the Lord. Well, the Lord has given you treasure, but will you give it back to the Lord for His purposes? Will you use it for His glory? I'm speaking to someone that He's given you a treasure, He's given you a gift, but you're not using it for His glory. And the Lord's saying, please, please use it in my hands I, the purposeful it will be fulfilled and your purpose will be fulfilled and I will bless you in a greater way than ever before. And so, so guys, at this time of the year, we need to give them our worship. And, and we need to give them what's most valuable. Ask yourself, what's most valuable and is it in the hands of Jesus for him to use? As a matter of fact, I want you to close your eyes and just think, what is most valuable to you right now? Well, my relationship with the Lord, but are you giving that time to him, that relationship to him? Or we think, well, it's most valuable, but I'm not. You wouldn't know it by the time I'm spending. But then, but then, but then look at me now. Have you, have, you given, have you given him your pain and sorrow? Because sometimes we treasure that in a, in a way for some reason... It's a loved one that we, that's gone, and this season's very difficult, but it, for some reason, we think holding on to the pain and the sorrow is holding on to them. And the Lord says, no, no, I want you to give me your myrrh. Give it over to me, because I can't do through you what I want to do through you, as long as you hold that. And will you give that to me today? I want everybody to bow your heads. Father, I thank you so much in this season where we celebrate the unspeakable gift, Jesus Christ. Thank you for this gift. And Lord, I thank you for those that are in this room that 
Lord, you want to give birth to something. And they're asking, Lord, how? How am I going to do it? And the answer is the Spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you. My grace is going to tabernacle over you. And the thing that's born will be of God, not you. But if that's you and you're willing to allow the Lord to do this thing in you and you say, be it according to your word. Whatever you want to do in my life, my answer is a blank check. Oftentimes we want to hand him a sheet of paper and fills out all the terms and we sign it. But no, he wants us to sign it and hand him the blank sheet. And you say, Lord, I'm willing, be it unto me according to your word. And I'm open to hear that word, whatever it is. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Father, I thank you for those hands that are raised. And you're taking them up on it. Lord, I thank you for the things that are going to get birthed this year. The gifts that will be used that are consecrated in your hands. That's going to further your kingdom. Lord, I thank you. And you're going to bless them like never before. And they'll be so happy. Such joy will come in their heart. And Father, I thank you that we give you glory for your son, Jesus Christ. In Matthew, we just read that King Herod was troubled. So I asked the Lord, why was he troubled? He was already the king. He was troubled because he didn't want another king that is higher than him. So this is what I heard from the Holy Spirit. You are not the king of your life. Jesus Christ is the king of your life. The shepherds had a choice when they received the good news. They can just stay there outside. But no, they came to find Jesus. In Luke 2, it says, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. So what has the Lord made known to you? What are the revelations that you received from Jesus? So come, come to him, come to his throne of grace to experience his goodness. Praise God.